What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Brick Squad podcast. This is episode four, and on today's episode, we are starting a new series on the podcast. Um, it is going to be a series that is every Wednesday, and it's titled Way Back Wednesday. It's where we're going to be taking a look at older albums, older popular albums, I should say. And today, we are going to start off with the album called Rodeo by Travis Scott. And this is the first studio album that Travis ever released. Um, it's pretty much what's jump-started his career. And personally, I really like the album. I think that it had a lot of hype back in 2015 before it was released because of the previous mixtapes that Travis Scott had put out, you know, um, Al Faro and then Days Before Rodeo, which was kind of the prelude to this album. And Travis Scott was, I wouldn't say an unknown artist back then, but obviously he's not the size he is today. And the Days Before Rodeo mixtape really started all the hype around this album. It was rumored that Travis was going to be releasing an album sometime in 2015, and he first announced it in January of that year. And Days Before Rodeo was kind of, like I said, the prelude to the album. So let's get into talking about this album a little bit. It released on September 4th of 2015, and obviously it was the first album that Travis Scott had ever released. Um, and also this album, as does pretty much every Travis Scott album, has some pretty heavy features on it as well, some pretty well-known people. And this album is absolutely no different. You got Quavo on a track, you have 2 Chains, The Weeknd, Schoolboy Q, and Kanye West who's who pretty much got Travis Scott his startup almost kind of mentored him along the way before this album and he plays a big part in the creation of the album as well. You have Chief Keef, you have Young Thug, you have a feature from Justin Bieber, you have Future, Juicy J, you have Sway Lee, who was relatively new at the time. And you also have a very big feature from somebody that many people might not know much of, uh, Casey Hill on a track 90210. And it's interesting that Casey Hill is on this album because she worked with Kanye West in the past. She was actually a backup dancer on his tours. And Kanye uh, found out about her music and signed her to his label Good Music in 2015. Um, and she released a couple projects on there before leaving in 2019. But as I said, Kanye West played a big part in this album. And I feel like we say that a lot of the times about Kanye. Well, I shouldn't even say Kanye now. I should just say Ye because he changed his name. But uh, yeah, he plays a really big part on a lot of albums. And particularly this one, um, Kanye's main producer, Mike Dean, who obviously helped produce uh, the Donda album, uh, was a big, played a big role in the creation of Rodeo. And this, four, this is a 14-track album. Um, there is an expanded edition with two extra tracks, one featuring Schoolboy Q. And off my, I remember my first listen of this album, and I actually really enjoyed it after I listened. There was a lot of hype, like I said, around this album because Travis Scott was kind of a relatively unknown artist, but he had just started to break out, so fans were excited to see 
what he was going what he was going to come with on this album and i just really like how on every travis scott album he uses the features so well he doesn't even have to be the main play the main role on the track because the features he has on his albums are just so great and a lot of times that comes with a lot of criticism because people will say that the features uh the features kind of play a bigger factor than Travis does on his own songs. So this album, when it came out, it was kind of, it it kind of got bad reviews because uh, people were saying that this was almost not a Travis Scott album. This was a feature album. This was a compilation album. But now that we've seen him release Birds in the Trap, Sing McKnight, and obviously Astro World, we see that that's just kind of his style on his album. And he likes to get a collective group of people involved but as i was talking before with kanye west pretty much main producer mike dean he plays a role in almost every song on this album he's one of the main engineers of the album he helped write a couple of the songs gave travis some ideas um and obviously with kanye he got travis in with a couple of the features on the album as well um and we're going to get into a little bit of like I said, the reviews of the album, it was pretty much on by the website Pitchfork. It was rated a six out of 10 album. And that's kind of the theme for this album when it released. There was a couple, couple big websites and magazines that rated it a little bit higher, but the collective agreement between all the magazines and the websites was saying that this album was pretty average at the start. People were pretty underwhelmed with it because they wanted a Travis Scott project and they didn't feel that this was necessarily a Travis Scott project. But before the album release and when the hype was real big leading up to the album, Travis released two singles. He released 3500, which is an eight minute song. Um, That's also something you don't see out of artists on their debut albums, releasing songs that are six, seven, eight minutes, which Travis has a couple on this album. And the reason that's not normal is because normally artists want to get the most quantity over quality per se because they want to get more of themselves out there in the shortest amount of time. So most people will listen to it over and over again because in reality, people aren't going to really sit there a lot of times and listen to an eight-minute song. But Travis does really well on this album by the features that he has they really play a big big factor into the album obviously on 3500 the feature from future carries a lot of that song and then obviously the other single he released before the album was antidote and that song really blew up on soundcloud even before it even touched stream- streaming so why shouldn't say streaming services because streaming services weren't a thing until 2016 so it was even more impressive that this album did so well back then because it was only released, I believe, on iTunes first. And the song Antidote, like I said, really blew up on SoundCloud before the release of this album. Uh, it was the song that everybody really wanted from Travis Scott before he really became the artist he was today. They obviously heard the vocals, the singing, and it's almost a mix. He's almost a mixture of that Kid Cudi and Young Thug type where the Kid Cudi, you kind of have the hum, you have the auto-tune, and you have the melodies. And then, 
obviously you have that new style with that pretty much young thug created. I wouldn't necessarily say that mumble rap, but you just have like that that new style of rap where basically people had never really heard from artists before. And obviously having um Young Thug on that out al- on the album for for the song Maria I'm Drunk was a big big factor as well for this album. And that song's pretty unique because when the album released in 2015, that song you were not able to, because back then you had to actually purchase songs and purchase albums instead of just subscribing to a streaming service. And that song was not available just as a single. You had to purchase the entire album to get the song Maria I'm Drunk with Justin Bieber and Young Thug. But when streaming service became a thing, then that eventually changed. So, Rodeo, when it came out first week, it sold 85,000 units. And that's not too bad for a debut. Usually artists on their debuts will sell a little bit less. But like I said, the hype around this album was so big that he was able to sell as many units as he did. And now, album units, it's not really the exact same thing as it used to be. Because back then, that, that would mean that the album sold 85,000 times that week. That means that 85,000 people bought the album. And nowadays, that's a little, that's false because obviously on streaming services, you don't have to buy albums these days. You can just download the album after it comes out. You can listen to it. And now, um, however many units the album sells is based off streaming a lot nowadays instead of just solely on people buying an album. But after the first week it came out, it it peaked on number two on the Billboard Rap and R&B albums, and it peaked on number three on the all-around genre for the Billboard Top 200. And that's pretty big for a debut album, getting a number two and a number three on the Billboard charts. That's pretty special from, from an artist who hadn't ever released much of anything before. And obviously nowadays the album in the United States has gone platinum, after it generated a lot of divided uh, opinions. Um, Like I said, a lot of people were divided on it when it came out saying that this was not the album that they expected from Travis Scott. And I think generally people expected more of a solo album because when artists get that first break at releasing a major project, they kind of want it to be all about them and they kind of want to show what they're able to do instead of showing what features who are generally big big time features showing what they can do because people already know what those features can do they've heard of them before a lot of times but you really were able to see how Travis was able to bring all the features together in this album to create a great project because like I said the album was a 14 track album uh the first song was titled uh pornography which I find is an interesting title to start an album because I actually don't think I've ever seen a hip-hop song titled that before. And it doesn't even start off about him. It starts off um, with T.I. Well, it does start off about him. It starts out about T.I. narrating about Travis and kind of talking about how there's how Travis is kind of lost and how 
his life is kind of crazy leading up to this album. And that's kind of why the album's titled Rodeo is Travis wanted to get across that he felt like his previous his previous years leading up to this album felt like a rodeo and he felt like he was on a on like a bucking bull as he described and how he was being tossed around from place to place not really settling down anywhere and how he was just constantly going and that's kind of the vibe you still get from him today is you get kind of that rage vibe from him where he's never content with just just stopping and settling down you see it in his performances you see it in the stuff he's been doing um he he's never really satisfied and i think that is why the title of this project is so perfect to describe him and now that we know who he is because you really see that like i said in his performances he gives some of the best performances in my opinion out there with the energy and the charisma he brings within the audience that he's performing in front of but yeah back to the album um like i said on the first track starts out with ti narrating and it's kind of, it kind of starts out a little bit slow, but then as that song progresses, you really get Travis, in my opinion, one of his best forms when he's when he's rapping on a hard-hitting beat as it, as it transitions into. And then as the album progresses, you have the split song, Oh My and This Side, with Quavo on the album. Uh, it starts out, Travis, um, kind of remembering his past and remembering how he started out uh, saying how he used to sleep on couches uh here and there basically wherever he could find and then nowadays saying that since he's since he moved to LA and was getting into music and getting in with record labels and producers and all that that uh he's not going to really need that type of lifestyle anymore because he's almost made it and then that this is probably my favorite song on the album because of how it starts and how it finishes because once the song brings in Quavo for the second part you get that you get that real big Quavo Migos vibe from the song where Quavo's coming in almost on that Kid Cudi vibe where he's where where you get the hum you get the ad-libs and all that and the song kind of slows down and it, it's almost like the first part of the song is the crazy past life of Travis Scott and then once the song breaks into that second part then it's kind of settling down and it's almost like saying that Travis is kind of finding his feet. He's finally starting to settle into who he's becoming as an artist, as a person and saying that his his situation now is a lot different than it used to be and he's having to adjust to it because he's not used to this type of life. And I feel like that song really... Uh, really uh, helps the album out in a great way because that's pretty much what this album is all about you have you have the crazy songs obviously then you have the more slow songs you have the more melodic songs as we'll get into with 90210 that's a that's a very popular song off this album as well so continuing with the album after we've talked about the tracks pornography and oh my this side we obviously talked about uh 3000 3500 with future and two chains and like i said an 8 minute song that typically artists won't release on their debut project because they're trying to get more of themselves out there than others and on this song future and two chains pretty much 
almost outshine Travis in a way with the features that they're producing on this song. And we've already got into it. That song was released before the album uh, was released. And then the next track on the album, uh, Wasted with Juicy J. And I find this is an interesting track because almost after the first three tracks on this album, it's like Travis is kind of lost in a way where with the title Wasted, he he's saying that he's inebriated or he's basically drunk in this song. That's what it, that's what it's all about with Juicy J. And you get that you get that party feature with Juicy J as well. Um because that's kind of the vibe that he gives off uh, in his music as well, that party type. And it's it feels like Travis is, like I said, lost at this point. And it's detailing that since he's moved on in his career, he's into that party lifestyle. He's hanging out with people he didn't, he didn't used to hang out. He's hanging out with uh, the higher ups in the music industry. And he's kind of he's kind of lost in all that and it's almost like he's kind of drunk constantly because of the party lifestyle he's getting into and then we'll talk we're talking about 90210 now i'm um, obviously the big tv show uh in the early 2000s that came out uh, i never personally watched it but this song is also a decently long song almost 6 minutes long and it, it it's got a great feature with uh Casey Hill as we talked about um not too many people know who she is. Not too too many people knew who she was back then either. And this was pretty much right after she signed with Kanye West's Good Music label. And this song's pretty great because uh, it's kind of the song that stands alone almost on this album. Uh, because there's not really a song on the album that's like it. Um, the, the closest one, in my opinion, would be Marie Elm Drunk with Young Thug and Justin Bieber. But... On this song, Travis, like like many people have said about this album, he does not play a big part in this song. This song is heavily favoring Casey Hill's vocals instead of Travis. Travis just plays his usual part in the song that makes it great. And people have said this a while about Travis Scott, that he doesn't even really need to say anything in a song to give a great feature or to make it a great Travis Scott song. He just has to be there. So then as we move on down the album, we've got Pray for Love with The Weeknd. And this was kind of when The Weeknd also began to take off as well around the same time in 2015. The Weeknd had released some great projects in the past, but was still almost kind of an up-and-coming artist in a way. And he really got his big break after uh, after his featuring song on the Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack. That was That was big for him. But... The Pray for Love song is is a cool one now that we've seen Travis and The Weeknd together on future projects. They have such great chemistry together on songs and uh it really shows on this one on the album as well. And then uh the seventh track on the album we get into is Nightcrawler. And this is th- this is one of my favorite songs on the album as well because you get the features from Sway Lee and Chief Keef uh on the album and there there are two different two different types of song pretty much within one. You've got like the the swaley uh swaley vocals on the on the hooks and choruses and then you got Chief Keef at the end giving the usual Chief Keef feature. And I feel like this is a big feature as well for Chief Keef because at this point this was three, four years after 
his first major project. And Chief Keef hasn't necessarily done a whole lot since then, but he gave a great feature on this album uh, uh, for sure. And then you get into probably one of the most controversial songs of 2015. And of course, it would have to be with Kanye West. Kanye West has always kind of had his name around controversy. Um, some of it he brings on himself, obviously, but it's just who he is. Uh, he's just, he's not, he's not your normal artist. He's somebody who pushes boundaries, who does things that people might not understand or might not even think of themselves. But uh, uh, the song Piss on Your Grave was was very talked about back in 2015 because it's almost like, it, it's a title that, that nobody would really think of. And once you read it, it's like, oh, why would you why would you piss on somebody's grave? But it's almost like talking about the people that, that doubted them along this way, talking about like people who might not have said, Oh, you're never gonna make it to this stage. You're never gonna you're never gonna be doing this. You're always gonna be a bum. You're always going to be somebody who has never really done anything. And this song is kind of alluding to talking back to those people who who's doubted them not even just Travis who's even down who's even doubted Kanye West as well and Kanye plays a big feature on this album he he starts out as we've talked about with a lot of people on this album so far uh kind of starting out the songs when generally it would be the other way around that the main artist would start out the songs and then the features would come in but also since Kanye has had had such a big part to do with his album. It's not surprising to find himself on it and involved in probably one of the most controversial songs of 2015. And then the next track on the album, Antidote, you really get into, uh, like we talked about, the main track on this album, the track that everybody talks about, the track that's really still played to this day uh, pretty often, and that's Antidote. It's got It's very catchy and I feel like if this song released in today's day and age, obviously with TikTok and social media, that it would be even bigger than it is. It's already one of Travis's biggest songs of all time, but it's one of those catchy songs where it's like, don't you open up your window? Don't you let out the antidote? Like, I feel like that would play a big part in people's TikToks nowadays as well uh, if it was if it was to come out now. Um, and then you also have kind of the electronic feel of this album with songs like Impossible. It gives and that's what Travis does so well with his songs. He he kinda get creates a few genres himself, but he also combines a few as well, uh, within uh within his albums. Like the song Impossible isn't typically that that normal hip hop song. He doesn't really say a whole lot in the song except saying that he can do the impossible, he can do things that others can't and kind of boasting on himself in this song but it, it it doesn't really it just gives more of that melodic feel of a song it doesn't really it, do, it doesn't really say much to the listener at home it just gives them something good to listen to and then as we're getting to the later stages of the album uh the the track title maria i'm drunk uh like i said it was a song that you had to you had to purchase with the album. You couldn't purchase it uh, individually at the time that it came out, and uh, this was obviously a few years after a few years after Justin Bieber really broke out on the scene, and 
it was pretty relatively a new time for Young Thug as well. He was he was getting to be a pretty big artist at the time after releasing a couple singles and a couple projects himself. But he was still kind of in the same boat as Travis Scott was that he he had a he had a solid following, but obviously not the following he has today. And he was still developing as an artist. And this song, I think the features work perfectly with the song because you get that you get that feeling with Young Thug of the the drugs and alcohol part of the song. And I find it interesting that Justin Bieber is on this track because um, Justin Bieber didn't really have much of a background with hip-hop artists at the time. He was more into the pop uh, that he started with. But I found it interesting that he was able to come on Travis's debut album and not really, not really miss a beat on this track. It's also one of my favorite tracks on the album as well. And then one of the most interesting songs, probably the most interesting song on the album is Flying High featuring Toro Moy. And this gives off a big Pharrell Williams vibe to the song as we've heard from from Pharrell Williams in the past. And I think he might have had, had something to play with this song as well. Uh, I'm I'm not exactly quite sure on that, but I think he played a role in this track. And it's an interesting song because it's not really, like I said, Travis Scott isn't necessarily a hip-hop artist or a rapper. He's kind of his own genre of music uh, in some way. And this track really speaks to that because it doesn't really give off a hip-hop vibe. It gives, I, I don't even really know the genre vibe that it really gives off because once you get like halfway through the song, you get into like that electronic and alternative feel to the song when Toro Moy comes in for his part, uh, his, his pretty much solo part. Um, and then the last two songs on the, on the main album, uh, I Can Tell, is one of the more hip-hop songs that Travis Scott released on this album. You don't have as much hip-hop, electric guitar, uh, electronic uh, sound to this you have more of the hip-hop sound to this song. And then finally, to wrap up the main album, you have the song Apple Pie. And this is also a really interesting track, for me at least, because it's kind of wrapping up him transitioning to this new stage of life where obviously once you make the fame, you get the girls, you get you get the money, you get the distractions. And he's basically saying to to all the women out there who are, who are trying to trying to get him that he doesn't want a piece of them really and that he just kind of focusing on himself and that he doesn't really need any distractions at this moment he's just focused on himself focused on his music focused on becoming a better artist and and giving himself a better situation and i feel like that track speaks well to that and then the last two tracks on the album that are a part of the expanded edition of the album that came out obviously after the the regular 14 track edition of rodeo came out you have uh okay all right featuring um schoolboy q and i i i I enjoy that song as well um on the album obviously it wasn't it wasn't uh released on the main album but i feel like schoolboy q gives a really good feature on that album uh one of the main producers of the song was metro boomin and this was also 
around the time where Metro Boomin really started to take off in his career as well. And I feel like we can say that about a lot a lot of artists on this album where obviously with Travis Scott, this is where he begins his development of his career. But I feel like we can also say that for a couple of artists like Quavo, The Weeknd, Sway Lee. We can say that about Young Thug. And Schoolboy Q was somebody who had been around. And this, again, is one of those long songs, a seven-minute song uh, where they're pretty much talking about, like, no matter what they face, they're going to be all right. Like, they're going to overcome whatever stands in their way. And that no matter the trials and tribulations they, they face, they're going to be all right because they're not in the situation they used to be. They're in that new situation with their new life. And then the deluxe edition of the album uh, finishes with the song Never Catch Me. And this is this is probably the most like alternative and uh, electric song um, on the album where with which you can pretty much see what the song is about. Never Catch Me basically saying that finishing up an album now that saying that now that I'm here, you're not going to be able to stand in my way of what I want to accomplish. You're never going to be able to catch up with what I'm doing because I'm not the, I'm, I'm not in the situation I used to be. I'm on a bigger stage. I've changed my life. I've moved, I've moved to Los Angeles as he talks about a couple of times in the albums and he's working with the biggest artists, the biggest producers in the world. And he's obviously signed with a record label at this time and that this is just the start for him and that you better not stand in his way because you won't succeed. And I, I just feel like that this was, I just wanted to take a look at this album today because I feel like it plays a big part, obviously, in Travis Scott's career because it's what jumpstarts him. But it really shows now how great of an album it was. It was it's an album that's aged really well as well. I know a lot of people talk about that with albums, um, saying that, you know, they they weren't, people, people had to like, grow, they had to grow on them because... You know, not everybody's going to like anything off first listen. You have to listen a couple of times usually to get a good idea of what the album is talking about, get a good feel for the songs. And once you it and it just clicks with you eventually after you listen to an album a couple of times and you, you can't really explain why. But I feel like that's what this album has done for a lot of people. And obviously you can tell that because it's gone platinum since it's released and it's pretty much always been in and around the Billboard uh, top 200s whenever Travis Scott's name comes back in the news, whether it's rumors of him releasing a new project or him uh, obviously dating Kylie Jenner, who's obviously a big figure. Um, whenever his and her name's mentioned together and news comes around, you always find this album in and around the, the Billboard top 200s. And I, I anticipate... It'll make its way back there very soon as we get closer into Travis Scott releasing a new project, as he says he's rumored to. But yeah, I just wanted to really start a new series on the podcast today where we um, detail previous albums and just talk about them and and just look back on, on how they started, how they came about, and uh, obviously look at where they are now. So uh, yeah, um. Expect a couple more episodes this week. I have a couple big things planned um, coming up, so stay tuned. And uh, yeah, I'll see you, see you again soon.